Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Good day. My name is Pastor Dominic Grimaldi, and you are listening to Street Talk Theology, where we keep theology real and bring it to the streets. I am thankful to be here on 91.1 Grace FM. I'm honored to do this show. And just a little bit about myself, if I may. I'm married to my lovely wife, Rachel, and we'll be married nine years in January. And we are both obviously from New York City, as you can tell by my accent. I am currently the teaching elder slash pastor here at Desert Sky Baptist Church. Our church government is elder-led, and you can look at our website to read our extensive statement of faith at DesertSkyBaptist.org. You can also listen to all our sermons on uh, SermonAudio.com. Just look for Desert Sky or Dominic Romaldi. Um, but, But I'm here to interact with not only the church where I serve, but the community where I live. And I believe uh, from the title, Street Talk Theology, I believe theology is important. In fact, theology means the study of God and his relationship to the world. And as I previously mentioned, I want to bring theology in a way that we all can understand it. You know, Peter Berger, who is a Christian sociologist, coined the term cognitive contamination. Basically, he reminds us that the world's ideologies, they kind of spread like colds and they contaminate societies. Also, these ideas are ever changing, basically making truth relative. But God's word never changes. It's absolute. But the question is, do we really know God's word? Do we look at scripture rightly? especially in its context. These are challenges that we all face in a very busy world that we live in. You know, Paul has reminded us, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we must be good Bereans. We must all know the word. We need to study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth, kind of cutting the scriptures straight. It's kind of a tent making term. You know, when you when you build a tent, you want to make sure that you have all the corners and so nothing can get underneath or, or, or above in the tent, obviously. Now, Cutting the scriptures straight. Now, eventually down the road, we will have some special guests. But at this point, I want all of you to get to know me. As you can tell by my accent, as I mentioned, I'm from New York City. And like all of us, we all have a backstory. All of us at one time or another were prodigals and needed to find our way back home. Well, I'm no different. Our topic today will be the providence of God. Now, the word providence means that God provides. He provides, he sustains, and he governs the universe. And in fact, we should be familiar with this story. The first time uh, the word providence is used in the Bible is when Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, and at the last minute, God had provided a lamb for the sacrifice. He He provided the offering, 
And, and just remember this. This is important. We never look ahead towards Providence, but we look back on it. So a little bit about myself. So you guys will uh, get to know me better. And then that's my, my plight this morning. That you guys get to know me. As I mentioned, I was born and raised in New York City. But what I did not mention is that I spent many years in prison. In fact, my dad died in prison and my brother also did some prison time. In fact, my last arrest was April of 1990, for which I did about 19 years straight for cocaine distribution. Now, obviously, uh, I this is, uh, you know, being in prison obviously is 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 in itself a a. A tough thing. I mean, it's it's not easy being in prison. You're away from your family. You're away from your friends. But God can use prison. God used prison in my life. So I want to explain how I received salvation while I was in prison. Now, at the time of my conversion, at the time of my conversion, I had about 15 years in with about five years to go. I did about four and a half years ago because I had uh, I did about 19 years and eight months. At that time, I had 15 years in and I was in. In fact, in fact, I was in the federal correctional institution here in in Phoenix, Arizona. And at that time, I was doing my time. Right. And what I decided to do, I decided to try to talk to dentists into whitening my teeth. Now, I know you're probably saying, why would anybody want their teeth whitened in prison? Well, that's just pride and just the way how I was. But anyway, I was able to speak to the dentist and able to, you know, kind of connive him. And I didn't have to pay him anything or anything like that. He just kind of liked me. And he had brought me in white strips and I started whitening my teeth on a certain day at a certain time when I was in prison. The problem is somebody told on me, somebody went to the captain and said that I was manipulating the dentist to get um, white strips to whiten my teeth. And what eventually happened, I wind up in the hole. Now, the hole, if you're not familiar, is a prison within a prison where you are locked up uh, 23 hours a day. You're allowed one hour a day of rec. And, and obviously, they bring you your property. So you got your books and stuff like that. But basically, you are in seclusion um, away from the prison population. And obviously, they thought of me being a threat because I was kind of bribing or conniving the dentist. So they put me in the hole. Now, what they usually do when you go to the hole is they bring you your property. So you get your property and you can turn around and like I says, have books, you can write letters. You just are confined in the cell except for one hour, one hour a day. So when I got there, I had asked the um, officer to bring my property and he kind of just says, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. And eventually I, I asked him three times and did not receive my property. I don't know how many days it could have been a day or so. I'm not, I'm not familiar, but one thing I am familiar with that I was bored. I, I was in the hole. There was no books, no nothing. And I kind of glanced over at the end of my cell and there was a Bible. And I says, well, I says, uh, there's, I got, I got to read something, you know, and, and this is an amazing thing. You talk about God's providence. This is an amazing thing. I started reading the Bible and I kind of opened up to first and second Kings 
and I got saved. Now, now my wife <laughs> mentioned to me, she's Dominic. When you explain to people how you get saved in first and first and second Kings, you need to explain it. And I can. I remember when I was reading first and second Kings, I I seen a God who was removing kings, knocking kings down, just governing the world. And I said to myself after reading that, I said, I'm serving the wrong master. And it just came to me that the life that I was living was not the life that I was supposed to live. It, it was amazing. First and second Kings showed me the providence and governance of God over the universe. After that, I just started repenting of my sins and obviously believed the gospel. Now, I had a lot to learn and stuff. It was just a, a new conversion, obviously. And, you know, conversions in prison are, are you know, you see them and you hear about them. And, and by God's grace, um, I believe my conversion was real. It is real. But here's the thing. After you get converted in prison, especially me getting converted in the hole, I had to go back into the population. I had to go back into the population. So what they did, because I was accused of and, and did actually bribe, not with money, but convinced the dentist to bring in white strips for me. I was going to go to another facility and that would be, I would go after that to uh, Lompoc, California. And I spent, and so here's the deal. Now, when I turn around and, and go to Lompoc, obviously there's friends of mine there. I have a lot of years in prison and here I am uh, going to Lompoc, California as now a Christian. And to explain this to your friends was not easy, but God was really kind. And I basically I told my friends, listen, um, I believe God has saved me. And, you know, they in the beginning, they thought I was, you know, probably a little nuts and stuff. But, uh, you know, after doing many years in prison, they knew that I wasn't, you know, uh, somebody that was going to tell on anybody. So they just uh, watched me and 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 basically allowed me to um, live my life uh, under the umbrella of salvation. And, and that's, again, the providence of God, the kindness of God. So uh, I spent a few years um, in Lompoc, California. And then after that, there was a special program. It was called the Life Connections Program. At that time, I had about two years left. So what 18, I had about 18 months left because you were allowed to go to the program the last 18 months of your, of your bid, so to speak. And I was approved to go to the Life Connections Program. And that was in, um, that was in Leavenworth, Kansas. So I went from, I got saved in, in, in Phoenix, Arizona here in the FCI in the prison. I went to Lompoc, California, continued my, um, my way there. And, 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 and like I, what I did mention, what I didn't mention is I started uh, teaching a little bit in, in uh, Lompoc and then obviously uh, came to the Life Connections program in Leavenworth. And, and providentially, I met a chaplain named Matthew Berg. And Matt Berg is still a dear friend of mine today. He lives in Colorado. In fact, he's a chaplain, I think, in one of the prisons down in Colorado. I think it's Englewood, if I'm not mistaken. But Chaplain, chaplain Berg was one that um, 
he just seen that I had a true conversion experience. And what, what Chaplain Berg did was he allowed me to do some teaching, you know, uh, there in the Life Connections program. And he also brought me in theological book after theological book. And he was just kind of mentoring me. And it, it, it's a great story and a great story for me. Chaplain Berg was an honor. It, it was an honor to know Chaplain Berg. And it was an honor to be mentored by him. And he's, we're still very good friends today. So what, 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 now, as I'm getting close to getting out now, at this time, I'm, I'm a Christian almost five years um, studying, believe God's calling me to ministry. And I remember Matt Berg, I remember Matt Berg telling me, he says, Dominic, I have to get you in school. You need to go to seminary when you get out. It says it'll give you just a cap on your salvation. It's something I think you need to do, especially if you want to get in the pastorate. So what he does is he Obviously, I was I was going to uh, relocate to Scottsdale, Arizona. That's where my brother and my sister-in-law lived and my nephew and my mom. I was going to go live with my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. And my mom was um, just a stone's throw away from there. And in fact, my mom died about three years ago. And uh, I love my mom. And uh, just to mention that. Um, so what happened was. Chaplain Berg got in touch with Dr. Barry Norwood, who is the pastor at First Southern Baptist Church in Scottsdale, Arizona. And he told him, he says, listen, I have a guy here, a converted, a converted man, and I'd like to send him your way to, he's coming to, obviously, to um, Scottsdale. I'd like to send him to your church if you would allow him to come. And, and Dr. Norwood was a kind man. We are very dear friends today. Uh, he was my mentor. But the thing about uh, Scottsdale, uh, First Southern Baptist Scottsdale, they never really interacted with anybody uh, coming home from prison, let alone some some Italian guy anyway. But but they took a chance with me. Dr. Norwood was a kind man, uh, continues to be a kind man. Not only did they take me into the the church, but they actually started my seminary career. And after I was in the church and in school for about a year, I got a call from Dr. Norwood and, and obviously he married me too. And I'm kind of flipping back and forth here, but I got a call from Dr. Norwood and he told me we as a church board, the, uh, the deacon board would like to license you to the ministry. We believe that you have a calling on your life. We believe that you are someone that God has called to ministry and someone God has used. This was a huge honor for me. It was a huge, I had no idea it was coming. Um, obviously, I was ecstatic. Like I said, at that time, I had about a year in school. After they licensed me to the ministry, uh, make a long story short, about, I want to say, probably four months later, I was called to pastor a church in Black Canyon City. It was a small church, but it was a wonderful church. They loved me, and that was my first pastorate. I also, at that time, worked in a Christian bookstore. I was kind of um, going back and forth, um, you know, working in the Christian bookstore and pastoring. That's where I met my lovely wife, Rachel, in the Christian bookstore. And that's a story for another day. We'll get into some stories as you get to know me. But I want to try to get to the, the topic of God's providence here. So I go to Black Canyon City and I start pa uh, pastoring there. And I was there for about five years and I had a brain aneurysm. Well, and and and. Just to get to that um, story quickly, if I may, 
I had some, uh, I'm trying to think what it was. I had some sinus problems, some sinus issues, and they and they were really bothering me. And I had to go get an MRI uh, to see um, about these sinus issues. And when they actually did the MRI concerning my, my sinus issues, they says, well, your sinus issues are getting better, but you have a brain aneurysm. And, you know, that was a tough play. I mean, here I am with a... Uh, a ticking time bomb and basically, and then again, I don't want to over-exaggerate that, but, you know, I did in fact go to Mayo Clinic and they told me that the aneurysm is in a a spot where it's a dangerous spot. I mean, any aneurysm is dangerous, but this was the point of that if it would have burst, it would have definitely killed me. And again, I don't want to spend a a lot of time over the weeks. We'll get into the nuances of, of, of this, but, Anyway, Dr. Bernard Bendock, who um, is, was in Mayo Clinic, after discussion with my wife, we decided to have my aneurysm clipped because it was kind of a walking time bomb. In the interim, uh, I had spent five years at the church in Black Canyon City, and I just believed it was t- time for me to move on. And I started interacting with Desert Sky, the church that I'm at right now. They knew that I was going uh, into surgery. They knew that I was going to have a brain aneurysm um, clipped. They said, you know, we'll wait. We believe God is calling you here. I had a 10-hour surgery, 10 or 12-hour surgery, not remembering much. In fact, the first couple of weeks after my surgery, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even think straight. I remember, in fact, I had graduated from seminary. I graduated with a master's of divinity with a concentration on biblical studies. I remember when my wife got the um, the degree, I looked at it and really didn't even know what it was. Uh, I didn't know who my wife was for a couple of weeks. In fact, I don't know if I would ever preach again. I couldn't actually speak. Now you can't keep me quiet, right? But God in his kindness did... I did recover. It was a long recovery, but I recovered. I remember when I preached a sermon here in view of a call. It's the worst sermon I ever preached. I don't know how they hired me, but it was a God thing. It was God's providence. Um, and now, and now, by God's providence, I've been brought in all your lives. So we together, we can share the good news of Christ and, and his providential care over his people. That's that. So that's my backstory. I'll continue to get into that. But by God's providence, again, we've been brought together and I'm, I'm able to do this show. And, and I want it. I want this to be a community orientated show. Now, we don't have much time left, but our topic is mentioned is the providence of God. So I'd like to look I'd like to look at the epistle to Philemon for a minute, just for a second. Um, Philemon is not a, a well-studied uh, book, but but it is obviously a, a book that's near and dear um, in my heart. Now, um, a couple of things we need to know. Philemon was the teaching elder at a house church. He was a wealthy man, and he was converted under Paul's ministry. Paul and he were friends, and they were brothers in Christ. Now, Philemon had a slave and his name was Onesimus, who had committed some type of offense in the household. And it seems that he had run away. So he was kind of runaway slave. Now, now this is important. In those days, there was something called friend of the master. 
meaning a meaning the a runaway slave or a slave can actually seek compassion or forgiveness by speaking to a friend of the master and meaning this friend could intervene for him so by some act of providence onesimus runs into paul while he was in prison and providentially paul went to bat for and provided for onesimus he provided for onesimus as the story continues as the story continues the the providence of god rings true as paul tells philemon perhaps this is the reason that god had separated him for you for a while so that you can have him back forever so you can have him back forever now just think about the circumstances in this story philemon gets saved under paul's ministry onesimus who commits an offense against philemon is mediated by paul is mediated by paul this is a gospel story this is true reconciliation on its highest level as paul would say in another place christ died for sinners who he was a chief sinner and there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If Christ can save someone like me, he can save someone like you or anybody else. The story of Philemon and Onesimus is near and dear to my heart. And I want to think about God's providence. I want to explain God's providence, that he, he cares for his people. We remember when, when Abraham was um, going to sacrifice his son, Isaac. God providentially put a lamb there. He provided the lamb, Jehovah Jireh. He provided a lamb for Abraham. And God is a providing God. He's a, he's a providential God. And, and he provided in my life, Chaplain Berg and, and Dr. Norwood. And, and so I believe that, that we are here in this uh, radio show together by God's providence. Now, the story of Philemon has two more points, if I may, before I close this out. When Paul appeals for Onesimus, he told Philemon that he was formerly useless to you, but now he would be useful. The word Onesimus in the Greek language means useful showing a true conversion, as now the Lord would use this story for his glory. Now, again, do not miss the gospel in this text. Paul is a, is a Christ-like figure. The sinner runs to Paul for refuge. Onesimus runs to Paul for refuge, using the friend of the master, the social convention of its day. Paul mediates for the sinner. And whatever debt Onesimus owes, he puts it in his account. You'll see that in verse 17. Just like Christ did for me and for you. Christ liked him, Paul, like Christ, emptied himself. He put, all, he put off his apostolic authority, just like Christ came to earth as a servant in humanity to appeal to us by his grace. Christ had every right to condemn sinners, especially me. But what prison taught me was the grassroots of the gospel. Christ died for sinners who I am chief. Paul told Philemon, God has a bigger picture here and you need to get involved. My prayer is, Lord, there's nothing I can do for you but to get us into something that you're doing. Now, here's, the, here's how we close with this. This is amazing. You talk about God's providence. Church history tells us that the same Onesimus became the bishop of Ephesus in the line of John the Apostle, then Polycarp, 
and then Onesimus. What a great God in Christ we serve. He's a strategic God whose plans will not be thwarted. It is by his son's death on the cross that true reconciliation to God is available. You know, it is an honor, like I said, to to do this. Uh, and I, I just want us to be, I just want us to learn together. I want us to be good thinkers. I want us to read our text rightly in a world gone bad. I want us to, to learn how good God is and how important to know his word contextually, exegetically and hermeneutically. Exegesis means knowing an original context and bringing it into today. So with that, I thank you so much and thank the Lord for this providential encounter as we start a new avenue of of theology on a show called street talk theology again my name is pastor dominic romaldi and you are listening to street talk theology where we keep theology real and bring it to the streets until next time grace and peace in the name of our lord jesus christ amen Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.